London Property, home of Super Prime, where you can find informative, educational and entertaining content covering all aspects of property. Hello and welcome to London Property, home of Super Prime. I'm your host Farnas Fazaipour and today we're in conversation again with Marvin Smith, who has already talked to us about regulations around agency and agents and what to look for. And we are now going to talk to Marvin about tenant-like manner. So, <clears throat> Marvin, for those listeners who might not have um, already heard the introduction in the previous chat we had together, can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got here? Um, I qualified as solicitor later in life. I'd done a lot of training in residential landlord tenant law. So I qualified in 2000 as a solicitor. I started Payne Smith in 2001. We're a niche practice specialising in residential landlord and tenant law. That's all we do. And therefore, we're able to offer a unique service to, to landlords and agents. I would say I do not work for the ordinary tenant in the street. Corporate tenants, yes, but not the ordinary man in the street. We're, so we are niche that way. We make sure that we're not going not, not get any conflict. Fantastic. And can you talk to us about um, the subject of our interview, which is tenant-like manner? What does it mean, tenant-like manner? I actually hate the phrase. Um, <laughs> why? Because people don't understand it. What it actually means is to act in a reasonable manner. What does reasonable mean? It's the most magic legal word, as long as a piece of string. What it means is that what would the ordinary man in the street think is fair? Now, if you go back to Lord Denning in 1953, he said tenant-like manner was to drain down the boiler when you went away, to change washers on taps. I can't remember the rest of the things he said. Well, the last thing you want a tenant to do now is drain down a boiler or to change washers on taps. I just dread to think. So tenant-like manner changes over the years. But actually, perhaps I would say is to act reasonably, make sure that if there's need of repair, you tell the agent or the landlord, that you don't allow the property to deteriorate. So probably keep it clean to a certain extent. And that you do, that basically, if there's any issue that you can fix or which or should stop any damage to the property, that should be done. So it's just to act reasonably and live reasonably in the property. I'd also say, by the way, and tenants do not understand this, a judge, one judge in the Court of Appeal case, he said, a tenancy is not a service occupancy. It is not like a hotel, where, for example, the heating doesn't work in your room, etc. You go down and complain and ask for another room. What the tenant has to do, he's got to allow for inclement weather, flooding, snow. He's got to allow for bank holidays, such as the Platinum Jubilee. So you could have for bank holidays and it would be slower to get anybody. Christmas, Easter, all these holidays. He's got to allow for, you need time for somebody to come to the property and also time to get parts. So he has to put his two jumpers on and use the kettle to shave or whatever it is, just like any house owner does. He's not entitled to say, I want it done, it's got to be done today or I'm withholding my rent. He can't do that. Well, he may try to do it, but legally he's incorrect. Yes, you get uh, it, it's it's uh, as you said, you know, it keeps evolving this tenant like manner behavior. And you've got, you know, in, in, in prime central London, you've got some houses that are like mini hotels. And uh, as you say, a lot of tenants, when they want something done, they want it done now. And 
pandemic and jubilee are just you know not a concern to them it it it's it's um, a lot of pressure on the agents is there is there a way that um you would recommend that at the beginning of a tenancy um an agent or a landlord should really try to educate tenants into this subject because you know it's it's always easier to 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 kind of throw the law at somebody rather than try to work your way through these frustrations is is there something that you would recommend that should be done at the start of the tenancy to make people aware of this i think actually these information sheets that some agents do are actually extremely useful if you explain how they've got to go about getting repairs what they've got to do I would actually encourage people to send in emails, for example. It's much easier because it means that they don't say, I rang on Sunday morning or whatever time. And so to have a procedure so they understand. I think you also need to explain to them, you don't rush out on Sunday morning at noon or whatever if they phoned at 11 o'clock. And also make sure they're conditioned that if you have got an emergency team, that they phone that emergency team. But if they actually if they decide not to and they phone their own contractor, they'll be liable for the cost of that contractor. Right, so right. I think it's partly that. But also, I think it's a case of I get a lot where foreign nationals come over and they suddenly decide, oh, they don't like the house after all. So therefore it's not suitable. They've got to understand, and all tenants have to understand, it's a contract. It's not just you sign this piece of paper and pay some money to get your keys. You're taking on obligations, and you've got obligations to the landlord just like he has to you. And the obligations are written in that tenancy agreement, and you should be aware of them. Most tenants never, ever read their tenancy agreement. Right. Um, and then it becomes really the, the, the job of the agent to keep referring them back to that throughout the tenancy when things go wrong and, and, and highlighting the clauses that they didn't read to begin with that are now going to govern what happens next, really. So the other thing that I wanted to ask you is, I'm going to say this in simple terms because uh, you'll know the legalities of it, but there was a change in legislation where um, if you were seen not to respond to a tenant properly, and then you decided at some point to serve notice and get them to leave. It was called something like revenge eviction, and it was considered that you're doing it because they're difficult, so you're getting rid of them, but then you haven't got a right to get rid of them. Can you can you tell me technically what that whole... Oh, retaliatory eviction, that's the in thing at the minute. Right. Whenever a Section 21 is served on a tenant, it's retaliatory eviction because they've asked for repair. Usually it's not, actually, but it sounds terribly good in court. Effectively, it's a Deregulation Act 2015, which said if a tenant informs you of a lack of repair, you've got to reply within 14 days, email. And if you don't reply within 14 days, one, you can't serve a Section 21, but two, if you fail to carry out repairs, you cannot serve a Section 21. And by the way, I would just emphasise to every agent, you must do you, every, use every endeavour to make sure that environmental health are not called in by that tenant. They don't just look at the boiler or whatever it is the tenant's complaining about. They look at the whole house under the Housing Health and Safety Rating System of the Housing Act 2004, and it could cost your landlord a fortune. 
One of my clients recently, there's a thousand pounds worth of repairs that the landlord wouldn't do. It cost him 21,000 pounds after environmental health came in. And that they also give a nice copy of that enforcement order to the tenant, who, of course, now has this absolute evidence you have not carried out repairs to wield to a judge in court. So I think agents have to make sure they have their system. You get an email or a phone call. Dear Marvin, we spoke this morning. You said the boiler's not working or whatever it is. We've, we've already arranged that the plumber or the gas engineer will come out at such and such a time to, to look at the boiler. He will either repair it at the spot or if it needs a part or organise a part. If we need a part, we'll then make a further appointment to come back and fit it. Nice and simple. And what's more, there's your evidence you actually actually reacted, you did something, and you did something about the lack of repair. Therefore, it is not retaliatory eviction. You've had actually prove you've got the, the, the evidence to provide to say to court, well, look, judge, this is what we did. We're to wait seven days for this part for the boiler. As soon as it was done, we went, we went there. Judges in court, by the way, they look at what was wrong, how, what was the speed of response? Why was there any delay? Reasons for the delay? What happened after that? They look at these things. And if you've got, got that all documented, email is fine. And also in your, on your electronic system, if you've got that documented, you're covered. But it's just making sure it's documented to stop retaliatory eviction. It's the new in thing, I honestly say. And the press love it. And Shelter adores it. They use it all the time. So what happens if you if you lose as a landlord? Well, basically, if you go to court and the judge says there was lack of repair, you get damages awarded against the landlord. It may These damages may wipe out rent arrears. It's actually going to either stop the landlord getting possession or severely delay the landlord getting possession. And if the matter is actually adjourned to a second hearing, that's more legal costs for the landlord. If the judge says, oh, you've got to do get a surveyor in to do a report, that's more costs for the landlord. And so what we're really doing there is they're running up costs for the landlord, and that's what we want to avoid. You know, and the only winners there really are the solicitors. But I think it's a case of agents have got to help themselves and their landlords by making sure everything is documented. They can prove to the tenant that they did something. And if the tenant refuses access, it's even more important to have that documented. Can we come in? You refuse us to come in on that date. Can we come in on such and such a date? Can we come in using our keys if you're not there? So you've actually got proof. If the property deteriorates because of your actions, lander will seek compensation. You've said the boiler's not working. We need to get into to, to, to sort it for, for your convenience as well as, as the, the landlord's. You must let us in. So if you have that paper trail, that's the important thing. And tenants do use refuse access all the time these days. You've got to come when I'm here after seven o'clock at night or Sunday morning. I'm sorry, no, it's normal working hours. And if they're saying that, they would have to pay any extra call-out charges. Right. Knowing knowing what to, to do and what to say is really key. Keys, you know, keeping on top of uh, what are the common problems that happen and, and getting tools of how to deal with it is really quite key, isn't it, from a landlord's and an agent's perspective. So... Um, it's not really as simple as the Landlord and Tenant Act Section 11 has said and what I remember from from, from, from my youth, that so long as they've got running water, heat, 
sanitation, your obligations, broadly speaking, uh, are legally protected. So it it is really evolved. And uh, this lack of repair that you keep hearing and and, and tenants try to, to sue against is is becoming something that that's a lot broader than just providing the the utilities it seems yes and i think the first thing tenants say is i'm stopping paying the rent but to be quite honest they've just walked right until you can say the lion's den you know the washing machine's not working we're not going to pay rent well that's ridiculous i've got possession more than once for the wash i had one where the washing machine hadn't worked for three months well the silly person could have either called the engineer himself or bought a new washing machine and deducted the cost from the rent instead he didn't pay the rent and we got possession straight away so there's a sense of proportion, and tenants have got to realise if they live in that property and they benefit from the property, they've got to pay rent. Um, and just, so I think it's really looking at everything, and tenants actually, tenants read the internet all the time. They listen to, read perhaps not the newspapers, they read social media, everything, which all tells them why not to pay rent and how, to, how bad these landlords and agents are. But I think they've got, to, they've got a responsibility as well. And they've got to realise if they live in a property, they've got to pay rent. They've got to realise that if it's just the washing machine or whatever, they go to a laundrette. If it's a dishwasher, they get some marigolds and fairy liquid and wash the dishes. It's, you know, it's not exactly the end of the world. And I'm rather aware that some people say, I pay all this amount in rent. Well, things happen. And that's really what it's about. Yes, we can get, get somebody out. And yes, if it's a highly priced property, they're entitled to a higher standard of repair. There's high court case law saying that. But I think that tenants have got to be realistic as well. As I said, it's not a service occupancy. They've got to give notice of the lack of repair, and they've got to wait a reasonable time for the landlord to deal with it. That's what the Landlord Tenant Act 1985 says. And so if they haven't given notice, well, the landlord has no liability at all. Although I will say the Deregulation Act guidance, one of the questions I read, much to my horror, said, do I have to tell the landlord before I go to environmental health if there's lack of repair? Oh, no, you do not have to tell the landlord at all, which is a bit silly when the law clearly says you've got to tell a landlord of lack of repair and he has not got any obligation to repair until he is told. But I'm afraid that the law actually is becoming very biased. Well, in fact, the law is biased in favour of the tenant. All judges are left-leaning. All judges are biased in favour of the tenant. They're not. They're against the landlord. They're throwing this person out of the house. Therefore, you really do have to make sure that you've got everything documented about repairs, making sure that it's easily seen why there's any delay and is it reasonable. Well, they always say possession is nine-tenths of the law, and I always thought that, you know... Uh... The, the governments everywhere would rather that a tenant was housed than a tenant was out in the street and their problem. Yes, you know. think so. Um, but I'm afraid the courts actually work in their own little microcosm. They do, the judges do exactly what they want. They're the chief actor on the stage. I, I think, I think well, let's be realistic about it. We get tenants who allege lack of repair. Usually they've got no defence at all, they never put a defence in at all. And certain most judges, if you've got a good good representation in court, can argue against that. If it is unfortunate and the tenant does produce some evidence, one, you're you're feeling more than slightly aggrieved if you turn to your landlord or your agent and they look extremely guilty 
And then you say, they say afterwards, well, yes, I forgot to tell you, which is not helpful. Um, but it's a case of if the agent is managing that property, he's clearly documented everything. He's got a good system, and most of them have excellent systems. Everything is documented that it's pretty easy to refute any allegations a tenant is making. And that's where we want to be. And I think also pointing out to tenants, for example, you must allow access. If you don't allow access, the property deteriorates, we'll be looking to you for compensation. So I think agents in such circumstances like this need to probably use their contractors more. What exactly is the problem? Is it serious? And by the way, can I go off at a tangent? All agents should make sure, and landlords as well, that their contractor is told on pain of death they must not tell the tenant anything about the repair, what's caused it, any issues, etc., and definitely do not give them any copies of any reports. The landlord's paid for that information. That information belongs to the landlord, not the tenant. And even under the Freedom of Information Act, the tenant is not entitled to that information at all. I did a course recently and an agent was telling me they were photocopying the whole file to give to the tenant. I had a bit of a hissy fit. I said to her, no, you are not. So by the end of the day, she was, she was dumping most of the paper in the dustbin. You do not give the tenant all that information. He is not legally entitled to it. I mean, everybody hates a tenant withholding rent. Is it at any point actually acceptable? I don't think so. Um, even if, say, part of you have a flat, the roof leaks because of a storm and one bedroom's out of action. You've still got the rest of the house. So if you've got two bedrooms, sitting room, kitchen, bathroom, five rooms, one room's out of action, that's 20% of the rent. Probably another 5% for inconvenience. But you've still got the rest of the house. You've still got heating, light. You've still got another bedroom. You could live there. So yes, you should be paying rent. Not all the rent, some of the rent. But as soon as people stop paying any rent, they actually put a tenant puts himself in a vulnerable situation. I don't think there's any excuse if you're living there. The only time you would not be paying rent is when the house is genuinely uninhabitable. And I don't mean it's uninhabitable because I don't like it. I mean that there's been a flood come from the loft right through the house and the ceiling's down, everything. I cannot live there. The house was burned down last night. I cannot live there. That's when you would be paying any rent at all. Now, um, just to finish off, going back to the tenant-like manner being um, a, a bit of a, a changing thing as 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 time moves on. In prime central London, you you know you have rents these days. I mean, I, I read something about uh, somebody recently closing a transaction of forty five thousand pounds a week. So I guess tenant-like manner to those tenants is that they do want their light bulb changed yesterday and they don't want to even know about it. So what's that right balance? I mean, what would you advise? I mean, you can't really, um, I mean, I know I know that everybody's equal in this world, but if you're paying £45,000 a week, uh, the chances of uh, your sense of humour failing rapidly if you're told to go buy fairy liquid and wash the dishes uh, is pretty high. So what's that balance between keeping a happy tenant they will say a happy tenant is a good tenant keeping a happy tenant who's going to continue paying those ridiculous sums of money for your property uh, and you know what's their obligations and what the agent and landlord need to be doing what what do you say about these mini hotels that have now become slightly common in some parts of prime central london i think actually 
if you're paying, and yes, I did actually have a case where the tenant was paying that amount, and he said, but I expect the repair, said, Marvin, the rent I'm paying, I expect the repair to be done today. I'm not willing to wait even 24 hours. It's been done now. And I'm afraid if the agents are collecting commission on that type of standard, they have to agree with their landlord that they have a lot more autonomy and a big enough float to be able to get the work done now. And whether that means because the dishwasher is not working, you remove it and you get a new one in today, that has to be. Because, yes, I quite agree. Higher standard of repair, but also higher standard of service for very high, highly rented properties. I think one of the things, my dear, that a lot of landlords do not do, they do not provide instructions for a lot of equipment. And, you know, if a landlord, if you... Uh, if the landlord doesn't provide instructions, the cooling system, the heating system, the sound system, etc., how is a tenant meant to be able to work it? So I think it's important to do that from the start. But I think, yes, these highly priced properties with very, very specialised lighting systems, you need an expert to deal with them. You can't expect the landlord or his or any of his the tenant or any of his staff to climb a ladder to, to, to change the light bulbs there. Usually they're so complicated, it's impossible. And I think... If you're providing that type of property, you've got to provide that type of service. And usually your landlords are willing to pay for it because they want that tenant to stay for as long as possible paying that rent. Thank you for clarifying that. Well, Marvin, thank you again for talking to us. And uh, if any of our listeners need to have any expert uh, advice and opinion, uh, then they'll be able to head over to the experts directory and find your profile and get in touch with you. So thank you again for uh, talking to us. A pleasure. Thank you, Mr. Nice. Thanks a lot. And to hear from other experts like Marveen, you can head over to our website and follow our podcast channels where we have over 70 interviews with experts like Marveen, where you can find a lot of informative educational uh, content and find the right expertise for when you need it. Thanks for listening to the London Property Podcast. Head over to londonproperty.co.uk and subscribe to our newsletter to receive latest updates.